You're listening to Japanese Baptist Church in Seattle, Washington. And technology all that much, to be honest. But there were two things that were really formative in changing my mind. It was around 2015. I had met someone who was doing a PhD thesis. It was like a pastor's colloquium. And、uh, she had come from、uh, Stanford, I believe. And she was doing work in the Bay Area, just talking about the relationship with、uh, Christianity and technology. And that was the first time I had ever thought about that. And I kind of walked out of there thinking, that's way over my head. I, I don't even have like, words to comprehend this. And then a while back, I also came across an article from about 2018 in the Gospel Coalition, and it was titled, We Need a Theology of Technology. Now, mind you, this is 2018, right? Before all the pandemic、uh, was even、uh, on our minds, or maybe some of us were thinking about a possible pandemic, but we never. Could have imagined the ramifications if we actually lived through one. And it's funny how relevant both those two incidents were to me today.、Uh, it's interesting to think about how things, even three years ago, are different, how churches and pastors are thinking differently, especially now that we are in a world that could possibly be post pandemic. You know, we are still definitely in it. And、uh, just gonna take a quick moment to. Remind everyone who's watching, and if you have loved ones, to really encourage them to get vaccinated as soon as possible.、Uh, King County has definitely the resources to make it happen. If you need help in doing that,、uh, please talk to us, and we'll, we'll definitely help you.、Um, we'd love to help you in that way. But we are much better than we were last year, and we are going to have to ask questions about what's next. And so, what I thought. I'd do today is share a bit of the contents of that article、um, by Will Sorrell, but also add some of my own thoughts. So he opens up、uh, talking about technology and Christianity with a, a very important、uh, foundational piece. And he said this is that technology is amoral. And what he means by this is technology is neither good or bad.、Um, basically, it is currently understood as convenience and efficiency. But here's the thing.、Um, when I think about technology and when people talk to me about, you know, what's your thoughts about, you know, is technology a good thing or not? You know, I immediately actually think of all the movies that I've watched. And usually when I think of these movies, it's, a, it's like a bad robot, you know, or like some kind of artificial intelligence that wants to take over the world. I think. 2001 with Hal, and then you hear about the Terminator movies, and it just continues on. And then you hear about、uh, how Google and such are developing in that way.、Um, you know, things continue to change. But so technology in itself is amoral, but the way that we use technology is, has moral implications. Yes, technology is a convenience,、uh, yes, it makes us more efficient. But how is it helping us do that which is right or wrong? Right? Is it helping us to do just things or unjust things? Is it moving us towards godliness or ungodliness? 
And those are the real questions that we need to be asking ourselves. We need a bigger framework than just saying that technology is bad or technology is harmless. Most movies talk about technology as robot overloads taking over humanity, as I mentioned. But many parenting strategies about technology, you know, they, when we talk about technology, it's like, hey, don't look at a phone. We're not getting you a phone. Don't look at this TV screen. Don't watch this. Don't listen to this. And we don't give a lot of thought behind it. Is there actually some of what our children are experiencing with technology a good thing? a thing that maybe we don't have, a new opportunity, but is some of it stuff that we need to think about and say, hey, maybe this is not helpful and this is not healthy. And then coming into all that, what should the church say about all this stuff? I'm finding that when I look at some churches, they either completely embrace all the conveniences of digital technology um, and they just let them come into the church, like they let all these conveniences come into the church, but they don't think about if we let these conveniences come in, what are the implications of how it's gonna change our world and the way we do church? Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Now, some other churches are like, you know, we just don't wanna deal with it because it's new, it's complicated, and we just wanna leave it at the door. Don't let it come in. You know, if we modernize this way, we're becoming like the world. Um, we're very suspicious of anything in the world. And then we kind of like put ourselves in a bubble. And that's not helpful either. So I want to go back to those, um, those surveys I had mentioned last week um, from the Barna Research Group. And uh, it's part of this series. And the Barna Research Group listed the top 10 surveys that they went through. And uh, I want to bring attention to a new one. And basically, this one was done for pastors in 2020. Um, and it was about the pastor's current concerns for the Christian church in the US regarding the state of the church. And so this is a big... Um, kind of overview of it. And I realize it's too small for those here. And maybe those watching online can see it a little better. But I want to zoom in a bit to talk about what were the current concerns for the Christian church? At the, um, at the top, what were the main concerns for pastors? When they interviewed pastors in 2020, by far, the greatest concern of pastors was 72% were worried about watered down gospel teachings. That was the number one concern for pastors, um, Protestant pastors across the board. Now, mind you, this survey was done at the end of uh, at the end of the year. So, um, you know, I know just our world at the start of the year and the end of the year. So, this was, I believe, at the end of uh, 2019, going into 2020. So, I know the world was kind of in transition, but this is very telling about like what was the main concerns for pastors. However, let's look at what was the least of the pastor's concerns with this next thing. Uh, here we see that something I just talked about actually last week is challenges to the traditional church model, right? I was talking about new church or old church. You know, what if churches start doing something different, like a house church or an online church? That was only the concern of 11% of pastors. And you know what was the least concerning to pastors? It was actually keeping up with the latest digital and technological trends at 7%. Uh, this was the least of concerns for all pastors is like technology. We've got so much other things. We've got so many other things to worry about. Technology is the last thing on our minds. And this is very concerning for me because it shows us that the pastors who lead many of our churches today 
aren't very concerned about the world to come or where we are right now. Um, I think it's safe to say most of us here have a phone. Most of us here, even though we don't want to admit it, we spend a lot of time on our screens. We have a lot of time spent on the internet. We have a lot of time interfacing with accounts, um, working with modern conveniences. And I would say a lot of us today um, also are even familiar with like kind of the, the more advanced things like talking to your devices, or you might um, even be able to like hook up some kind of modern conveniences in your home. We are all interacting with technology. But to have pastors saying like, we're not really interested in talking about any of that in the pulpit is very concerning. And to be clear, I am very concerned about watered-down gospel teachings, very concerned. I'm always concerned about this. But if we're not aware of the world that we're preaching to and what they're facing daily, then we're in trouble because we don't know how to tell people how to speak the hope of the gospel into their everyday lives. How do we find the healthy balance of thinking about what a theology of technology is? We need to figure out how to talk about God in a world with lots of technology, or we won't be able to communicate with them. So people might want to ask now is like, what do you mean by theology of technology? That sounds kind of weird. So if you look at the origin, uh, the origin of the word theology, theos comes from uh, the Latin of uh, God in Greek, theo, and then logi is, comes from the word logos, which is logos in words. So basically, theology is literally like finding words about God. How do we find words about God when it comes to technology? Another way you can say of it, you could say it, is like, how do I see God in the things that I'm doing? So as a musician, I like to think about theology of music. Um, how do I see God in the music that I do? Uh, some of you like to cook. You could even begin to think like, hey, when I'm cooking, like, how can I see glimpses of God in this? You know, the way that I create, bring things together. If, if anything, I think all Christians should always be thinking about what's a theology of this, right? The work that you're doing. How could I see God in this? And what we want to do is also think about, like, how can I see God in the technology that I use every day? Right? This is kind of a scary thought, but, like, you might actually be interfacing with technology a lot more than you do with church people, maybe even your own family. Don't you think it might be good to think about how do you see God in this technology that you're working with? So there's a couple of thoughts that Will Sorrell said, and I want to share with him too. And the first thing that he came across was um, we need to prioritize compassion over convenience. The question we want to ask ourselves as a church is, is the technology serving and empowering our calling of Christ unto others? to be the hands and feet of Christ? Or is it a convenient way of avoiding reaching out to others? Is it a way of suppressing life-giving relationships? So here's an example. Some of us are thinking like, oh man, you know, I love church, like online. It's amazing. You know, I just sit there on my couch. I'm just watching and you know, it's so well put together because of all the hard work that the media team is doing. Uh, it's a nice well put together package. It's beautiful. So I don't know. It feels really good. And um, this means I don't really have to connect with people anymore. I don't really need to talk anymore. Like don't have to go through the bother of parking and all this stuff. And you do get all those conveniences. But 
is that helping you become more active in serving and loving each other in the name of Christ? Right? So this is not just on JBC. This is kind of also a personal choice for all of us. The way that you're interacting with technology, is it helping you become more convenient? Great. But it is also helping you become more like a disciple of Jesus Christ. Is it helping you serve and connect with others more? And I'd argue you can still serve and connect with others online as well. In fact, this past year, I've been really impressed by people who have wanted to meet in Bible studies online, who have wanted to reach out, even though they were socially distanced, they still use their technology to check in with people, make sure that they weren't alone or isolated. You see, that's when technology is used in compassion and not inconvenience. The second thing is to prioritize presence over proximity. C.S. Lewis in the book of Four Loves, he talks about, you know, when we're on a journey between two places. Uh, he talks about um, journeying on a mountain pass. And one of the, the points is over here on another mountain and a cliff, and then there's another uh, on this other mountain. So there's part, parts when you're traveling where you feel like you're getting closer to your destination that's over here, but then you wind back. So it feels like you're closer um, by proximity, but you're farther by presence. It's only until you go all the way up around and then you go over the bridge, you're actually closer. But it feels like you're farther away, if that makes sense. Sometimes we get a little confused is that we think closeness and intimacy, relationship is by proximity. And it's only through presence. What do I mean by this? Here's an example. If anyone's been on social media, if some of you have Facebook accounts, you see this account of all these pictures and you think like, wow, I know what that person is going through. I know what they're like. Why? Because I've seen their social media pictures. You know, I see it every day. And so you feel this very close proximity to them. But did you know that a lot of people who post online are really thinking about which pictures they're going to post? They've even edited it. They've uh, put filters on it that might not really be who they are, even though you feel so close to them. And nowadays, if you've noticed with celebrities, um, when something happens to a celebrity, you hear this like uproar by their fan base because they just feel like they're betrayed. And then why do they feel that way? It's because like they felt so close to them. They felt like they understood them. And it's like, honestly, you've never actually talked to this person in your life, but I feel so close. I feel like such close proximity to them. It's like, why? Because I research about them. I talk about them. It's like, yeah, you've been doing that all, but it's kind of like what I'm doing right now. I'm like preaching to you through like kind of this shield, right? You can't come close to me, even though it feels like you're close to me. We can easily hide behind digital content. And we give it the illusion of intimacy and connection, but it's just proximity. You see... Uh, JBC has a lot of content online. If you go on YouTube, I'm very impressed now. We have a lot of great content. We've got sermons, we've got podcasts, we've got all kinds of things going on. And so when you see that stuff, I think it's going to give you a great picture of who JBC is. But it's only proximity, right? It gets you an understanding of who we are. But you're not really going to know our community until you get close with presence. We need to prioritize presence over proximity. And this is why we see in the Gospels, Jesus took time to visit the house of those who were outcast. When someone came to Jesus, he didn't just send them away, but we read he impractically actually even went over to their, to their houses, even though he was very busy. 
we have to be careful that we don't simply send people away to like a YouTube channel or we just send them away to an online Bible study thinking that's enough. I know there's a lot of inspiring content online, inspiring messages, definitely. But what is really powerful is when you have that inspiring content with presence. What does presence look like? And I, I want to say to folks who are watching online, and some people even watch from Japan, I don't know if you realize this, like overseas who are watching right now, you can still be actively present, but you need to reach out and figure out ways that you can connect. There's a way of being online and actively present, and there's also a way of being online where you're not present at all. And I also want to say, just because you're here sitting here in this room, you might feel like you're present, but you could be far away and not engaged at all. Um, I spent 20 years of, of preaching to many different kinds of people who feel like, oh yeah, I'm so close to God. Why? Well, because I was there on Sunday. It's like, oh, it's so much more than that. You can be present, uh, like attending a pew in the sanctuary, but you might be very far away from God. The challenge for all of us, whether you're in person or online, is to be actively present and not just close by proximity. And the third thing is that we need to prioritize community over content. And I mentioned before, is that I always love meaningful, inspiring content. Um, I think uh, a phenomenon that has really taken off in the past couple of years is podcasts. Uh, it's amazing uh, just how many good podcasts are out there. Uh, it's kind of a common practice amongst a lot of my friends are just sharing podcasts all the time or um, a great inspirational word or a video. And there is no end to really good content, like really solid teaching, like really great food for thought, great information. And it made me think about, I had mentioned this last week about my professor that when he was younger, he really believed, you know what Christianity really needs is one truly brilliant thinker who can really make the gospel come alive and really articulate the power of the gospel. That's all we need. And then you know what? It'll be a worldwide revival. We just need to rally around thoughtful, deep, meaningful Christians. But my professor changed his mind later. And why is that? Because we've actually had, if you study history, centuries and centuries of brilliant Christians. Truly brilliant. I mean, I'm not just talking about like, oh, pretty smart people. Like true geniuses who truly articulated the gospel for their time and their age. Yet the world is still not fully convinced or changed. It's not thinkers. It's not just content that changes people. It's community. If I'm really honest, I definitely have been moved and inspired and changed by God through sermons. But you know what really brings through lasting spiritual transformation in my life? It's Christian brothers and sisters standing beside me, walking with me, loving me, showing me what Christ's love is like in real life. I believe that theology, teaching, inspiration is essential, important. But if you're to think that all the church needs is more content, you're wrong because we have lots of good content. I mean, I'll be honest, like my sermons, 
they're not that great sometimes, maybe always, maybe you're thinking. It's not my sermons that are going to change the world. It's about what are we doing in the community that really changes our lives. If we are honest, if we think about the true testimonies of people's lives, it is never simply, I heard an amazing sermon and I was forever changed. I heard an amazing podcast. I read an amazing book. There are people like that, but you don't go too far in those testimonies to realize they also had amazing Christians in their life. What transformed people spiritually, mentally, and intellectually is a strong, connected community where they are loved and they are known. And that is why Christ says, whenever there are two or three gathered, there I am. You can't be there with God just with content. You have to be gathered with somebody. Certainly good arguments and preparations are valued and can empower the community, but it's an engagement of community that relationships and faith come alive. And that's what I preached about a couple of weeks ago, that faith comes alive in community. We need to prioritize community over content. Even though content is so important, community is what makes it come alive. Sorrell in his article says it well about all these three points. He says, there is no artificial substitute for compassion, presence, and community. These were the priorities of Jesus. These are the priorities for the church today and always will be. Compassion, presence, and community. I believe technology can help us become more compassionate, more present, and be a better community. But they're just tools to do that. They can't do it for us. I think the hope is right now with technology is, uh, oh, just make the robot do it. Make the computer do it, you know? <laughs> make Google do it. Make Apple do it. And it's like, we can't make them do it for us. They can help us do it. But we, the church, have to be the ones doing it. As we go further as a church at JBC, I want us to embrace technology, to recognize that we're able now to preach not just to people in this room, but to people all over the world through the, um, the gracious uh, donation that was given by um, the Memorial Fund. We're so thankful for it. But this technology is just to help us do the work that we're already doing. We need all of you to help us do it together. Would you help us to be a more compassionate church, to be a more present church, and to be a more loving community? In Christ's name. Amen.